Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? It is Wednesday night, and we are coming at you live on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Hope you are doing well. And real football, John Sheeran, real football is upon us. And because of that, I'm going from a, a different locale, a, a studio that is still in progress. I guess if you want to call it a studio, it's a freaking garage. But whatever. Uh, we're here. We're talking Bengals and some other stuff. What's going on, man? Anything's a studio as long as, you know, there's a mic and there's a camera so it looks some nice form of lighting right oh thank you well, yeah still some stuff to do uh, I, I got some stuff i guess over this shoulder some stuff hung up i got to get those those little racks up there taken down and some other stuff to hang up but got a cabinet got a tv all kinds of different stuff hooked up out here and uh yeah making do we'll see having some fun with it but we are here to talk about a lot of different things now i know that this is Browns week. It's Battle of Ohio week. John and I are going to talk about some keys to the game. We're going to talk about all kinds of different storylines and different things going into this week with that matchup. Um, and then tomorrow, we actually will have a standalone episode with Thomas Moore of SB Nation's Dogs by Nature website so that we'll have kind of a dedicated, a shorter show, but it'll be a dedicated show uh, strictly from getting the the other the opposition's point of view, which we do almost every single week when we have a, a guest that we bring in. So we're going to have a, a kind of a standalone episode with that, with the Browns um, preview in itself. And then tonight we're going to actually, because we've been wanting to ramp up some AFC North previews and stuff, we're going to bring in old friend Mark Bergen of Believe in Steelers. I don't know that he's going to be joined by his uh, partner in crime, Ike Taylor. I think Ike's shying away from that receiver chat last time we uh, we had him on that, that debate. But we're going to be joined by him to get caught up with the Steelers. Then we're going to talk about a couple things. And then obviously the Browns game tonight, Browns preview tomorrow. And then we're going to kind of, because of the holiday and all kinds of different things, we're going to swap Monday for Friday. And we're going to do the headline show on Friday. And then bring you all kinds of different stuff uh, through the weekend, post-game shows, all that stuff. So that's kind of what is happening with our show, I know it's been a little bit of a schedule change up, but we're still trying to hammer you with all kinds of different content. And hopefully we're doing an okay job with that, John Sheeran. 
Yeah, hopefully that Friday show is headlined by a certain extension or two <laughs> announcement. It'd be, be very nice, you know. To, 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 they should definitely time it around when that when that show's uh, going live. Yeah, so we're we're waiting on we're waiting on Mark Bergen, and we'll bring him in in just a little while here. But as we do that, um, we were going to maybe bridge the 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 Steelers outlook or the Steelers preview and into the Browns chat with. Um, you know, some some of the quotes and news and all that kind of stuff with Joe Burrow that came across the wire today. I guess we can do that as we wait for Mark Bergen. Um, uh, you know, a lot of different things talk, talked about by, by Burrow at his press conference. A lot of people were thinking and or hoping that this press conference was going to be, you know, the, the, the kickoff to the announcement to the, the contract extension. Not there yet. A lot of groundswell coming out that there is good momentum and a lot of different good things coming, but uh, we still got to play the waiting game on that front, John. Yeah. So it was about five minutes, I think into uh, his press conference when he was asked about the contract extension, obviously the first five minutes was surrounding, Hey, we haven't talked to you in six weeks. You've suffered an, uh, excuse me, a calf sprain or calf strain, Jesus. And <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that, that was, that was the bulk of, of the presser just kind of getting back from, that and i think i thought it was interesting how he kind of mentioned you know it's still like an ongoing process where yeah he's he's healthy enough to play and healthy enough to practice in full but you know there's it's still something that he's dealing with and something that can give him some tightness here and there and he just has to manage that and go through the ups and downs of it but yeah anthony i thought that if a deal hadn't been reached by today it wasn't necessarily time to push the panic button but i did think that we may have seen or heard something kind of unusual from the presser from Burrow, but that was kind of maybe naive from me considering, you know, Joe Burrow doesn't really make situations awkward and he certainly didn't make anything awkward today with what he talked about with, with the contract extension. It was basically more or less the same comments and thoughts that he's always had on the subject. He didn't want to talk about it too much, but couldn't really avoid the subject today considering no deal has been reached. And it's only three days away from traveling to Cleveland and his words, I think, should give i think Bengals fans a lot of confidence the first thing he said was that's the last thing i'm thinking about that can't possibly be the last thing that he's thinking about but the sentiment is there he still has confidence that this is going to get done he wants to stay here for his whole career the whole nine yards nothing's really changed and i don't know how much we can take from that considering it's the same verbiage that he's been using but you know this press conference could have went in many different ways i think again considering it's burrow it was never going to be like a start or a catalyst of controversy but regardless right the deal hasn't happened yet but it seems to be still trending towards that way it still seems to be trending towards that way and you know encouraging discouraging that it's not there yet but encouraging that he you know did make that comment as you mentioned that he wanted to be in cincinnati for his entire career um here is the article i will pin this in the live chats for everybody here but um you know, the the other element to this uh, is this. You see this, the latter part of the headline there, getting help from Tom Brady. So interestingly enough, he divulged the information that he has been in contact with the GOAT, Tom Brady. And I'll try and find the quote specifically down here. But um, here is the one from Mike Petralia, by the way. Uh, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to be my whole career. So things are working out there. And I think there was a lot of 
kind of, I guess, smoke signals a little bit because you had his parents in town. You had this press conference set up for Wednesday. You have all this information spewing out about, um, you know, being close, being close to the, the contract being done. Um, and so here's Albert Breer, who does a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, he's a national writer, but he does a lot of stuff with, uh, with the, the Patriots specifically. So he has a, a quote here from Joe Burrow on a relationship with Tom Brady. Quote, we've stayed in contact. He's helped me some. He definitely has. That's what all the great quarterbacks do across time. I'm appreciative of him for that. So what that what that actually is um, and, and how in-depth, we're not quite sure, but obviously maybe there's kind of a mentorship type of situation going on there. And then you also, John, I mean, I, I know we talked about him a few weeks ago, unfortunately, not with the news that we wanted to, but with Ken Anderson, you know, in the interviews we had with him, he noted that he was, you know, really early on reached out to Joe and, and kind of took him under his wing as well. So a lot of these great quarterbacks are kind of doing that, and Joe Burrow is seemingly responding to that. Yeah, I, I think part of this also has to do with the contract in itself. Brady has been through these situations once or twice in his 20-something Just a couple career. times. <laughs> right. I, I think we can all kind of assume at this point, like the structure of the deal itself is not going to follow Justin Herbert. Like it's There's been enough time passed where you know they could have done that and just added a couple more million, but they didn't. So this kind of leads me to believe that like he was getting advice in terms of like, hey, what what concessions should I push for in these negotiations to help them out by taking by either taking less money or structuring in different ways to help the team? Like like what, what essentially should I want in this in this deal for the best for me and for the best of the team? And obviously, Brady has many much experience with that. It was always going to be what the structure of this deal is going to look like to fairly compensate him. And I think this kind of not doesn't confirm it necessarily but i mean like the, the, the there's nothing more important for him going on right now than than finalizing this deal and obviously getting healthy but like that that is where i see like brady's value with, with him discussing this all with like i i i i think this kind of pretty speaks it pretty clearly I'm stumbling on my words a little bit though no that's it's all good yeah no i mean that's it, it's just one of those little tidbits of info. You go, oh, that's you know, kind of a, an interesting piece of of info that he just dropped on everybody there. But uh, to go along with this, yesterday I sat in. I, I tweeted this out a little bit. I sat in on a um, press conference from the thirty third team, which is you know a pretty you know it's a it's a pretty big entity now um, in terms of sports information, interviews, all that kind of stuff, and who they've brought on as staff members. And so this was brought in here. Uh, I, I was invited to a press conference with Ari Myrov, who's kind of one of the, the NFL insiders, and Andy Benoit, who's you know a well-respected voice around the around the league and stuff. So I just asked him point blank. You know, I had the opportunity to get in and ask a couple questions, and I asked him point blank. You know, what's the latest you have heard? Because I mean, obviously, we've been keeping close tabs on it. What's the latest you've heard on this? And you know, there was kind of some non-committal information. There wasn't too much new, but uh, Myrov did note that he would be. Pretty, pretty surprised if this wasn't done before the Bengals, his quote was before the Bengals take the field on Sunday, he would be pretty surprised if it wasn't done by then. Uh, I did receive another uh, other piece of information. I won't really divulge where and other stuff, but um, I, I'm kind of interested to see how this all plays out based on that other piece of information that I received because, I, you know, I, I tend to believe where, you know, obviously where it came from and all kinds of stuff, but 
Um, I, I'm, I'm still kind of seeing how this all plays out to see if that is indeed accurate. But uh, again, I mean, I think going back to the overarching theme here, I think everybody's kind of pretty confident that this is going to get done sometime in the very near future. Yeah, it's like the, like the hard deadline is definitely Saturday night, right? Like I, either they, they probably leave, I think, for Cleveland Saturday afternoon. So I think we've referenced this before when AJ Green and the Bengals went to Oakland in 2015. Like the deal got finalized, I think, right before then. It could right. take up until right. then. Um, like Friday and Saturday seem to be like, you know, if deadline does spur action, that's when that action could could occur. You, you really just you, yeah, you really do wonder though what details are being ironed out at this point. Like I, I'm like 100 confident that the financials are taken care of. Like there's an agreement in place. Like there's nothing. They're they're not going back and forth between like average annual value or anything like that. Whether it's locking in injury guarantees, locking in other things, or just I don't want to say waiting on T Higgins, but if Burrow is taking quote unquote less or taking a different structure for the sake of ensuring that his teammates get paid. I do wonder if that's a factor in terms of like, Hey, are you going to be able to give T Higgins what he wants in his negotiations? And if you commit to that, then I will commit to this deal. Now, I don't know if that's the case or not, but it does seem to be like the Bengals understand that this deal is going to get done. It needs to get done. Burrow's very comfortable with that as well. There's some force on here that's acting that, like, you you just you're not sure where it's coming from, but you do wonder if it has to do with the concessions in Burroughs' deal, which could include making sure that T Higgins is taken care of, and seeing if the Bengals kind of budge on that because there's been there's been no word on T Higgins' contract negotiations. I think as designed, they don't want this stuff getting out, but I I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's part of it. I guess or non-concessions and still keeping T, right? I mean, I think that's that 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 might right. be a little bit of what you're what you're talking about. But yeah, so some interesting stuff coming out of the Joe Burrow press conference this week. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. As I mentioned, we, uh, we will be having a standalone shorter episode tomorrow 
strictly with, you know, someone who covers the opposition, and that would be for, for the Cleveland Browns in the week one matchup. But we did want to get some more perspective just around the AFC North. We usually do this a little earlier, but shame on me. I didn't get around to it early enough. But we bring in one of our favorites, a, a host of the Believe in Steelers podcast. He also does some media work down in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, a great friend of the show. And, uh, you know, we, we teased at the beginning here, we're going to bring in Mark Bergen of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Poor guys, you know, hustling to get home and, uh, you know, get, join us right after a full day of work. Mark, uh, good to have you with us. We we're, we're teasing that uh, maybe maybe your co-host Ike Taylor stayed away because he wanted to shy away from the receiver debate that we had last time. Uh, he can handle the smoke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anthony and John, thank you for having me. We are a little bit more than 24 hours away. T-minus like 25 hours from the start of the regular season. I'm fired up. Thank you for having me. Hey, we're all fired up, and we always we always love chatting with you. You know, you bring you bring the the, the scoop, and you bring some some realism, some optimism. But uh, we, we we love the combination, and we love that we've been having you on. God, I think it's been probably for the past two three years now. Um, it, it, it seems so. It's it's awesome stuff, and glad to see you're doing all kinds of great stuff and having some great success. But happy to have you with us. I guess you know, just kind of an overarching, and we want to get into the nitty gritty of c- certain players and you know where the Steelers are at, their draft picks, all this kind of stuff. But just really from a health perspective going into week one of the Pittsburgh Steelers. How is their roster looking health-wise? You know, guys maybe coming back from a major injury last year and their recovery and or, you know, some injuries that may have been suffered in the preseason. Um, my understanding now, I've, I've kind of taken a little little bit of a uh, hands-off approach uh, with, the, with the team a little bit, but my understanding is that they're pretty healthy at this point. Yeah, coming into the season, I'm looking pretty good come September 10th opening at home for the first time since the 2014 season against the 49ers. I'm more so looking at that contract that Nick Bosa got done today. So Dan Moore Mm. Jr., who looks like he's going to be the starting left tackle, not the first round pick, Broderick Jones, is going to have his work cut out for him in week one because Bosa off the edge is troubled, regardless of who you line up there. But all in all, throughout training camp in the preseason, generally speaking of – Key players, and I think of T.J. Watt, the Jenga piece we call him in Pittsburgh. The difference of the game of when he's playing and when he can make plays all over the field, regardless if you double and triple team him, versus when he's not on the field. That's something we saw in the opener last year between the Steelers and Bengals of when he's on the field versus when he is not. So he looks to be healthy. Najee Harris, point blank period, needs to get going in the running game as well. I think he came into last year with that foot injury that was a little bit worse than he was letting on publicly. And if you look at Najee's production first half of the year, competition was a little bit more stiff. But then after the bye week, he was almost a full yard per carry better. He has to build because he's never averaged more than four yards per carry during his career he's demonstrated the ability that he can be a bell cow with the number of touches but he generally stays healthy with a better and improved offensive line that four yard per carry threshold is something that needs to improve in this season compared to his first two with the Steelers so you so you touched on it in terms of the left tackle Dan Moore Jr. Mm -hmm. is projected to start 
Broderick Jones obviously was one of the top tackle prospects in this year's draft. The Steelers drafted him. I believe the Jets even wanted to trade up to get him, and the Steelers ended up uh, take, taking him right in front of them. What was the plan for him to start at left tackle immediately, and and he's kind of fallen behind, or are they just kind of taking it slow with his development and just giving him time to really progress? No, I look at the matchup. So you've got Boso week one, as good as there is. Week two, uh, let me introduce you to my friend Miles Garrett over in Cleveland, who's an absolute <laughs> beast. Week three, Max Crosby for the Raiders too. I'm fine if Broderick Jones doesn't start week one, because if you start him right away, you go from right from the frying pan right into the fire. So Dan Moore Jr. will hold that position for as long as he can. When Broderick Jones is ready, you bring him along. The question then becomes, do you move Dan Moore Jr. over to the right tackle position and bump Chooks or Korofor? And the reason why you might do that too, maybe not this season, but long term would be look at the contract situation. Both Moore and Okorafor are under contract for this season and next, but Dan Moore Jr. is heck of a lot cheaper than Okorafor's contract. So if Moore is capable of playing on the other side, if and when Broderick Jones is ready to go, you could save yourself some coin by getting rid of Okorafor's contract long term. But Dan Moore Jr., like he's been okay, probably a little bit worse than average than you'd expect at the left tackle position. If you can get good level of production from him moving over to the other side, and this is something the Steelers experimented with both in training camp and the preseason. Um, look, and Anthony's thrilled over here. We're talking about offensive linemen, the big uglies or the big sexies up front, but it's something that is going to be very important for the Steelers because yeah. they haven't been able to run the ball point blank period. Like it's been since Le'Veon Bell came in and the reason why the Steelers drafted Najee Harris in the first round a few years ago is this came down from Art Rooney the second, down from ownership saying, we're never going to finish last in the league in rushing again. Bring over Isaiah Sayamalu in the offseason. Uh, you revamp this offensive line to start playing Pittsburgh Steelers football, running the ball November, December, January and helping a young Kenny Pickett as well get the running game going. The Steelers haven't been able to run the ball effectively. They've been bottom half of the league last five years. It's as simple as that. So you you mentioned his name, and you've mentioned maybe one of the issues plaguing uh, him. And, and, I, and I say plaguing because really I think some of the struggles may be a little overblown, at least when you look at some of the statistics. But you know the expectations were high for Najee Harris coming in based on his college tape, based on being a Le'Veon Bell successor, that sort of thing. And you know it just hasn't hasn't really clicked. It's kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Rashard Mendenhall type of thing. You know, had kind of had that that momentum going in there. Next great Steelers back, and maybe just never materialized for him. But this is a big year for for Harris, and so I guess I'm just kind of. What are you seeing out of him this year? And, you know, what what has been I, – you mentioned the offensive line. I know that's kind of been an area of, of concern there. But um, what what else has kind of been plaguing Harris to, to not take that step into superstardom? You really want me to say that I want to see Jalen Warren pass Najee, don't you? I've been hearing, I've been hearing people talk <laughs> about him. I've been hearing people talk about him. I wouldn't go him. that far because I think if you gave Jalen Warren the same sample size that you give Najee Harris, he would have had the same struggles because like, people want to point to Matt Canada and hold his feet to the fire. And that's fine because if the Steelers' offense struggles again this year, Canada's contract is done at the end of the season. But – you can't make a gourmet meal with bologna and potato chips. And that's what the Steelers have had along the offensive line. 
Like, you want Najee Harris to have success. What holes is he supposed to run through when opposing teams are are running eight-man fronts because Deontay Johnson's been the only guy that'd be able to get open? And then, okay, it's third down and long. Let's just chuck it deep to George Pickens. Like, what kind of strategy is that? But if you don't have the personnel to get it done, there's only so much that you can do. Now, this year, there's no excuses. Everything on paper, the sum has to equal its parts with this year's Steelers offense. It has to equal this year's part. So with Najee, okay, you're finally going into this year healthy. You're in year three. You have more experience. Kenny Pickett's more acclimated. You make upgrades along the offensive line. You get uh, Washington out of Georgia in the draft, who's going to serve as like a sixth offensive lineman when he's out on the field in like 12 and 21 personnel, two tight end sets along with Pat Fryermuth. You bring in Allen Robinson, and the Rams are footing the bill for that this year for the Steelers, too. Calvin Austin III is going to be back this year on offense. The speedster who didn't play at all last year in what would have been his rookie year. George Pickens is developing. Deontay Johnson has been a Pro Bowl receiver when he's played at the best of his ability. He has another year of rapport with with Kenny Pickett this offseason. It all has to add up this year. You can't start off the 2023 season where you started the 2022 season. You have to build on that momentum when the Steelers went 7-2 and on the back half of 2022. That's got to be where you are from the jump at the start of this season. Feels weird that we haven't asked a defensive question yet when we're talking about the Steelers, but I want to stay <laughs> yeah. with I want to stay with the offense for just one more here. Because mm-hmm. George Pickens is I mean, he's fascinating to say the very least. Um, I, I've actually been I've been following the Steelers pretty frequently with, with my new gig here. And you know, I, I saw a lot of highlights, a lot of highs just in general with his uh, chemistry developing with Pickett. I, I'm curious the dynamic between him and and Deontay Johnson, because obviously the Bengals have a 1A, 1B situation with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Is that kind of what is de- what is developing in Pittsburgh, or is it just is, are the are those numbers just irrelevant? It's just, you know, those guys are gonna get theirs, I guess. I think he you've got to use George Pickens this year beyond just the go ball, bail us out on third down and long and go make a circus catch along the sidelines. Yeah. Get him the ball in space and see what he can do. Like on the Steelers opening drive of the preseason. Kenny Pickett throws a strike. And look, I know it's preseason. It's like a war reenactment. It's not the real thing. Throws a strike, but it's not even the throw. It's after the catch of what George Pickens can do in space. So Matt Canada, that's where you got to earn your bones of get him the ball in creative ways in one-on-one matchups where, you know, you throw a jump ball with Pickens and it seems like it's not a 50-50 ball, it's a 90-10 ball. And that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but utilize his strengths and his skill sets as a receiver. Deontay Johnson, we, we know what he can do as a route runner. And then Allen Robinson, look, he's got two years left on his contract. If he doesn't perform this year, he'll be a cap casualty because the Steelers don't want to pay that entire bill if he's not going to perform at a very, very like Pro Bowl level. So you've got, you know, whatever type of receiver you want, the Steelers have that on paper. You got to put it all together. And if you're George Pickens, like I want to see him targeted early and often in games and not just in ways of let's bail us out on third down and long conversions, which has seemed to be what his role was a year ago. But you trade Chase Claypool in the middle of the year. To me, that's a sign in the direction of we've got the guy we want as a receiver in Listen, when my co-host Ike Taylor goes to training camp both this year and last year, when he was there last year and saying, even as a rookie, like, 
yeah, George Pickens is the truth. He's a little bit different. That tells me all I need to know because Ike went up against everybody in the league. I don't need to list off all the great Steelers receivers that he went up against in practice every day. I'm sure your audience would absolutely love that. But <laughs> guys of who's who of Hall of Fame, all pro, Pro Bowl level receivers that he saw during his career. So during his 12 years of his career as a player, he's saying, hey, George Pickens is really special. He stands out. I tend to listen because that's the type of player he consistently went against when he played in the league from 2003 to 2014. It, it When he's saying something, it makes me pay attention just a little bit more because that's his area of expertise, if you will, as a player, as a corner, having to go against a player like that during his respective playing career. Yeah, I mean, the dude went up against Chad and AJ uh, from the Bengals sideline to- twice a year when he played. So he knows a thing or two about good receivers. And I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, yeah. we, we could go through the list of guys in, in a who's who of great receivers from the past 15 to 20 years when he's saying, Hey, this guy's special. I pay attention. Yeah. And you could see it. I mean, you, you can see the the special traits that he has. It's more, you know, it's, you know, some maturity stuff and obviously just growing and developing as a pro talking with Mark Bergen, uh, host of the believe in Steelers, podcast part of the believe podcast network uh he does great work with them and his co-host ike taylor they have a, a really great show and he is always super kind with his time to talk about some Steelers with us um i i i know john said we you know it feels weird that we're not talking about defense i i do want to talk about defense but i gotta talk about your quarterback first i gotta talk about your quarterback how has kenny pickett looked in year two development through this through the spring through the summer you know, there was an interesting list put out, compiled by Stephen Ruiz, who really looks pretty hard. And, I mean, it's arbitrary list season throughout the summer. We know that. But um, he had, I believe, Pickett all the way down at 26 on his list, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I fully agree with that uh, assessment or ranking per se. But, you know, there was some some really good from Pickett as a rookie. And there was some stuff where you're saying, hey, man, you know, there's, there's some developing to, to be had here. How has he responded this offseason going into year two in terms of development? Anthony, I think there are some truly sick people in the world that play (laughs) preseason fantasy football. And if you did, and Kenny Pickett was your quarterback, you're sitting pretty. Five drives, five touchdowns. You can't really do much better than that. Like You can't score six touchdowns on five drives. So, again, I want to know like these first three to four weeks – does what of the preseason translates to the regular season? Cause I understand that it's not the same. I understand that defenses are playing vanilla packages. The same could be said about offenses as well, though. What translates from preseason to regular season? Because from everything I've seen from the stuff that goes beyond just making the big throw that goes beyond uh, the highlight real plays the demeanor, the face of the franchise, the CEO that you're looking for a quarterback, Kenny Pickett has that. Before I came on, you guys were talking about the Joe Burrow press conference. When I see what a player like Joe Burrow is saying and saying and complimenting Kenny Pickett, I forget when exactly that happened. He could have named any other quarterback in the division or in the league, and he pinpoints Kenny Pickett. I pay attention to that. And he could have been being polite, but he mentioned Pickett by name. You don't always do that. And so 
I look at it from the standpoint, like, look, I know Joe Burrow's the top dog in the division. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's had playoff success. Very special. And like, look at Pittsburgh. We're bracing for the reality of when he's making $60 million per year, which is what I think he'll get with this new contract or something close to that. He's a guy the Steelers are going to have to try to stop for the next decade plus. But going into this year, you would say Kenny Pickett's probably the fourth best quarterback in the AFC North division. Come season then, do you, are, do you really think we're going to be saying the same thing? I don't know if he's going to pass Watson or Lamar Jackson, a former league MVP, but I don't think he's going to be the worst quarterback in the division come season's end. That's mm. just my two cents worth. Mm. That would be very interesting for either the Ravens or Browns. We will definitely be, be tracking that. I want to talk about the defense, though, because the, the, there's, there's, this, <laughs> there's the secondary that has swapped out a few names for, for others. Cam Sutton's out. Patrick Peterson's in. Minka Fitzpatrick's still there. I, I just I found it interesting last year with the Steelers' defense, considering they were, I believe, 23rd in EPA allowed, but they were really good in terms of just success rate. So they were allowing some big plays through the air, but on a down-per-down down basis, they were still pretty solid. And I kind of linked that to, obviously, T.J. Watt's injury um, not being out there definitely hindered the pass rush. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious about the secondary. Do you see it improving to the point where you're limiting explosive plays? Like, How has that kind of unit kind of evolved with some changes back there? You have to because you look across the division. So I don't need to point out what you're fortunate enough to have in Cincinnati, but with the three-receiver, three-headed monster, and, oh, Joe Mixon in the backfield, a very potent offense, right? Then you look at what did the Ravens do. They bring in Zay Flowers. They bring in OBJ, Nelson Aguilar to try to help Lamar Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, and Mark Andrews and company. I'm not going to sleep on Amari Cooper either over in Cleveland. He's as Mm -hmm. good a route runner as there is in the league. So how do you stack up against the division? The Steelers had to do something at the cornerback position because it just, it didn't cut it point blank period last year. And like it's an offensive league. So if you don't have someone that can neutralize or, at least make a play on a receiver is as good as say a Jamar chase or any of the other great receivers in this league, the Stefan Diggs, AJ, AJ Brown. Like if you need an example of what I'm talking about and I've kind of erased this from my memory in all honesty, go pop on the tape last year of AJ Brown against the Steelers. You guys would absolutely love it as Bengals fans. It would bring you <laughs> great, great joy. If that game didn't show alone what the Steelers need to do to upgrade at the d- defensive back position, it's why they draft Joey Porter Jr., a guy who er- earlier you mentioned drafting Broderick Jones. The trade with the Patriots was great because the enemy of my enemy is a friend. So they prevent the Jets from drafting Broderick Jones, who would have gone at 15 to protect Aaron Rodgers. Steelers get him at 14. Had the Steelers stayed at 17 and still drafted Joey Porter Jr., Steelers fans would have been thrilled with that pick at 17, but no, 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 no. We get him now at 32 because he falls in the draft. And so he comes into the league now with a chip on his shoulder because he felt like he should have been a first-rounder. But it all works out because he gets to play for his franchise where his dad made plays a long time ago. So how special that is to have – the number 24 back there, which, by the way, he's wearing in honor of my co-host, Ike Taylor. How cool that's going to be. 
There's a reason why you bring him in. There's a reason why he's going to learn from Patrick Peterson, an established veteran in this league, who I think should be a Hall of Famer one day. He's been an All-Pro several times throughout his career. He's played at the highest level. Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson could start out the season when Joey Porter Jr. is ready. He can go out there too, but he can learn from All-Pro and Patrick Peterson. He can learn from All-Pro and Minka Fitzpatrick. They have other pro bowlers on the roster too, like Keanu Neal, who they bring in, who's going to be a thumper at the strong safety position. He's been a one-time pro bowler. So he can learn when he's ready. Like that's always been, you hear about this, the Steelers way of established veterans who play at the highest level. And then they teach it to the younger guys and the younger generation and the players that will ultimately replace them. That's the Steelers way. And it has been for a long, long time. And you hear this through multiple generations of Steelers players. Like during Troy Polamalu's Hall of Fame speech, he brings it up. If you hear a lot of the Steelers greats talk about that, that's what that means. And so you hope that it's shored up this year, though, because you can't expect to have the level of success that you want to achieve if you get the level of production that they had specifically at the defensive back position and especially for how the NFL is in 2023 and beyond and stopping high-flying offenses. Well, you, you kind of answered one of the questions we got from a, a live listener here. Tony Rose in our Facebook says, do you think Peterson will be a good mentor for Porter mm. Jr.? It definitely sounds very much so that you you believe in that. Uh, and speaking of believe, we're going we're gonna to get you out of here in just a second. Um, I want you, because this last question may or may not sour some of our Bengals listeners to, to go listen to your your, your show, depending on your predictions of the Steelers and how you have them faring against the Bengals. But I'm going to bring up your show. Talk about your show and where people can find all of your great material that you guys uh, that you guys put out on the Believe Network. Yes, Believe in Steelers. You can search my name, Mark Bergen, or uh, Ike Taylor on YouTube. That's probably the easiest way, and our content will pop up. But we're also on all the streaming platforms, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, believe in Steelers. That's B L E A V in Steelers. And guys, thank you for having me. But in all seriousness, too, uh, I consider myself very fortunate to to have conversations like this. Uh, we just had the legendary announcer Ian Eagle on our last show too, oh, nice. and then nice. we're gonna have a, a preview podcast coming out Friday, uh, reacting to Thursday night's game, but then in advance of all of the Week One games too. So we're absolutely pumped. Uh, my co-host Ike Taylor played for the team is now a scout for the Steelers as well. But Anthony and John, as always, it's a pleasure talking football with you. Uh, happy to do this. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And, and we're always, we're always uh, grateful for your time. And I uh, of course joked because I, you guys do awesome work. I, I was saying it tongue in cheek because I, I think you're going to be optimistic about how the Steelers may fare, which may or may not be music to it, to Bengals fans ears here. So I, here's, here's my take before I get, before I get, into it my my situation I, I think the Bengals are probably within a 10 to 13 win range I know it's kind of a wide range but I think they're right in there I think the Ravens are probably around that same realm maybe more 11-ish wins 12 wins for them uh and then you know the Steelers are always in it the Steelers are always in it at the end and and the Browns are a complete enigma to me uh, I said this on another program I, I that team could either be a double digit win team or that team could completely implode as we've seen other Cleveland teams do before. So I guess my question is we know Pittsburgh's going to be in at the end because they absolutely always are. And that's just a Mike Tomlin standard, but where do you see this team faring this year? 
I've got them at 11 and six. I still think mm. the Bengals are the top dog in the AFC North. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on your program. Lamar Jackson, what do the other pieces do around him? How does he connect with the other new additions to the offense? And then Cleveland, like, I still don't know what to expect on the field from Deshaun Watson. We won't know until we get into the regular season. And then, like, for me, it's as simple as, yes, Miles Garrett is prolific. Yes, Nick Chubb is good as any running back in the NFL. You can still run the ball up the middle against the Cleveland Browns. Like, who are their defensive tackles? And I know they brought in some, some new players this year, but that ultimately neutralizes Garrett's abilities off the edge. It's where if you can't stop things in the middle, it's the reason why Joe Woods isn't the defensive coordinator anymore. So with Cleveland, it's like they haven't finished above the Steelers in the division standings. I think since 1989, I need to double check that, but it's been a long time. They did that once? Exactly. You're you're adding fuel to my fire, John. (laughs) So it's been a long time. It's been a long, long time. So until it can, they prove that they can do it. And I know each year it's different, but I do go back on what history has shown me to this point for how franchises are from the top down. So prove to me that you can do it. Anthony, I'm with you about the Browns. I'm just, I don't get it. I know there are a lot of people that know football and are a lot smarter than I am, but until the Browns prove that they can do it. Yeah. And I know people say, well, look what happened happened in the playoffs two years back sweet like what are we talking about in terms of actually contending for super bowls that's that's where i'm at and that's where i land with that yeah well i mean there's no doubt that this is the most difficult and dominating division uh in in football and these teams are they're gonna they're gonna have a a real tough time you know getting past each other but I, i think it should make for some really good football in the weeks and months ahead. And hopefully we can have you back on to preview when the games come back up, uh, you know, coming to coming up this season, hopefully we can have you back on and catch up with some things and talk some more Bengals Steelers, but we, we greatly appreciate it, man. Thank you again for having me fellas. Absolutely. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Survivor 46 is here. And so is on fire. The only official survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 
Mark Bergen of the Believe Network, always kind with his time for our program. Uh, man, the guy jetted home from uh, another gig that he has with uh, WRAL and, and Raleigh and, um, you know, got on to, to talk some some Steelers with us. I know, again, I know it's the Battle of Ohio week. It's never a bad time to talk Steelers, though, right, John? I mean, it's the Steelers. They're, they're a big rival. Yeah, they're they're always in they're always in our minds, aren't they? <laughs> always in our minds, not in our hearts. Always in our minds. Always in our minds. Uh, well, let's let's transition then. Let's do talk about for the back back portion of the show here. Let's do talk about the the Browns game coming up here. Some keys, some things we're looking at, and then that'll tee up nicely for a show that we have tomorrow night with Thomas Moore of Dogs by Nature from SB Nation's uh, Brown site there, and we'll we'll have that standalone episode as well, but. Uh, John, let's let's kind of talk about this one. I think first things first, you know, going back to our initial topic that we started the show with, with Burrow and all of this kind of thing, his calf injury, all of that. Um, there was a, a, a video and or tweet kind of put out by, by Mike Petralia today saying, you know, Burrow, even though missing time and practice and the injury and everything, he still looks strong. He still looks sharp and all of that. And really, that's really, really pleasant news because – that wasn't necessarily the case last year coming off of the appendicitis going right into week one. So while I think there are some concerns for rust with Joe Burrow because of a lack of practice time, preseason snaps, all that kind of stuff, I, I, there there has to be a, a little bit more optimism this year because of just that simple observation by one of the Bengals beat guys. Yeah, you wonder how much open the playbook is considering the rust, considering the, the opponent is as well i think when you look at cleveland historically jim schwartz is on your defense coordinator I, I i remember all the preparation leading up to the eagles patriots super bowl and it was can the eagles generate pressure on brady with just four because that's what jim schwartz does he rarely blitzes and that's something that it, it, it is the smart move to do against the joe burrow offense because it, if you blitz him he will find the hot read and he will gain, <laughs> he will complete a chunk yardage pass in that general direction. So the Browns, regardless though, have a pass rush that can get home with four against any offensive line, even if the even if it's the Bengals offensive line that's even improved. It, it's still probably a matchup that favors the Browns in this, in this scenario. I think Zadarius Smith, while he may not be like a dominant pass rusher anymore, like he's getting up there in age, and I think he was falling off a little bit towards the end of last season in Minnesota, he's still quality. He's still a good number two when you have Miles Garrett coming off of one of the edges. Yeah, Yeah. so you you have a pass rush that can probably get home within the first two and a half, three seconds. You have to wonder what the Bengals' passing offense looks like with a Joe Burrow who's testing his calf who is going to be thinking about how I can extend plays and how, you know, quick I can get out of the pocket when you're going through all those motions for the first time in like live action. I, I, th- that makes me curious as to how open, like I said, the game plan is in terms of long developing passing plays. This is going to be more or less what we saw last year when they're kind of not hiding the offensive line, but making it look better than what it is by getting the ball out quickly. And that, that works in some scenarios. It doesn't when the defense knows it's happening and they can time uh, getting their hands up and batting down passes. We might see a couple of those if that is the case. And also, obviously, they're, they're going to want to feature Joe Mixon. I think they're going to keep this game pretty balanced. I don't think they've had a great history when they've tried to drop Burrow back 50 times in Cleveland. It's, it's usually ended up in losses. So 
all these things factor into you know what this matchup actually is but it always ends up being something in the trenches and that's something that the Bengals are going to have to continue proving that they can withstand Cleveland's rush they did it for the most part in the second game last year but this is a new season that Browns have improved up front yeah one of you know I don't know how much you buy into this, but one of the things I've been thinking about with this game is, you know, some people brush off week one, right? This, you know, even even a result either way. Some people say, you know, uh, week one, you know, it's just, it's kind of an unknown, weird things happen. You know, teams may, may or may not be fully prepared because of how they did or didn't do in the preseason and who played and who didn't, all that, all that stuff. We've, we've heard that before. But I, I still maintain, and every game is important, of course, and every divisional game is important, of course, but there are added elements of importance to this one. And there's a little bit of the monkey off the back type of thing with it. And the Bengals and, and Joe Burrow, this has been the one team that they face consistently and have not had success for, for a variety of reasons, um, either just poor play in general bad matchup uh, personnel wise or you know important players were injured in that Halloween game last year so uh, you know there are a lot of elements to it but I just think again we've talked about it ad nauseum here division game to start off with a division game right behind it you got it you got to make some you know make up some early ground there aside from that Joe Burrow I don't believe has won in Cleveland since being the the, the Bengals quarterback I think that the, the success he has had has been at home so just really kind of in this team and this quarterback has slayed a number of dragons to use a, a lame metaphor, so to speak with playoff wins and road playoff wins and all this kind of stuff. It's just kind of another one of those roadblocks or whatever that you got to get past. You have to get that out of the way where you go into Cleveland and you beat them. And so aside from it being just generally important because it's a division game, it's right off the bat. It, I think really just kind of a psyche thing. Let, let's let's start the, the season off the right way and really do so started off in a the right way in a big way because this has been a team and a venue in which we have struggled against recently. Yeah, I want to say it was was it 2017? I want to say the last time that, that they won in Cleveland because I don't think they'd be big in Mayfield Jeez. in Cleveland. It's been like it's been like five or six years at, at minimum. And yeah, but mo- for the most most years years has been later in the year I, I think like they've had at least two week 18 games one of them being in 2021 when they had the when they had the division wrapped up they probably would have beaten cleveland at that point but they had Brandon allen in the backups playing it's been a while and also on top of just the general browns stigma and just the recent history there depending on how you look at it like the Bengals could realistically be oh and three and Joe Burrow openers if the Minnesota game back in 2021 went differently with Dalvin Cook's fumble. Obviously, they lost uh, at the last second to the Chargers the year before, but they could have easily won that. It's It's been weird week one games for the most part for this team. We just saw last year a long snapper, you know, broke towards right, going. Right. And then they had a backup long snapper in there. It, a lot of wacky stuff happens. We've, we've harped on. We've harped about this ad nauseum with anything kind of goes in week one. It's basically an extended version of a preseason game almost. But there is, I think, a chip on their shoulder just to, for the sake of getting out of the gate fast and kind of proving that that that's not something that kind of defines them, even though so far it has defined them, right? How quickly can they look like the championship caliber team that they end up looking like towards the end of the year? 
Are they going to be able to get out of the gate looking like like that despite their quarterback only practicing a week and a half and it despite all of the rumors and the talk about contracts you know kind of looming over him how strong is this culture and how strong is is this locker room in general to kind of overcome all that and go into a hostile yeah. environment against a team that i'm sure is even hungrier to prove themselves worthy it's all or nothing at this point in cleveland like they're they're well into this the sean watson experiment they they have no alternatives to, to go from here and if they don't make the playoffs at this point, like we don't know what that team will look like next year. Week one is definitely more important than people give it credit for. And while it is wacky and there's a lot of variables, I think you have both teams have a lot to prove here. Both teams have a lot to prove here, but you know, uh, the, the thing that is a constant and has been an unfortunate constant for the Cincinnati Bengals has been Nick Chubb and his success against the team. And it has, it's been largely running the football, but it uh, it's also been through the air a little bit. Now, a little bit of good news, bad news last year, Halloween game last year, that atrocious game that uh, the, the, the Bengals had uh, against them. Uh, 23 carries 101 yards and two touchdowns for Nick Chubb in that. And that's been kind of really a theme of Chubb against the Bengals, really. Um, I mean, I think there's been, uh, you know, of his games, I think there's only been two subpar games. The good news is one of those subpar games was the last time they faced each other. And, and the first, you know, when Deshaun Watson was coming back there, the Bengals won 23 to 10, um, 14 carries, 34 yards, and no touchdowns receiving or rushing for Nick Chubb, a minimal, minimal impact. In fact, just 54 total yards. And that was when DJ Reader was back because uh, he was, DJ Reader was not available in that first game there. So a little bit of good news, bad news, but I'm just curious to you because uh, your take on it. I still maintain that Nick Chubb is the key for the Bengals to, to shut down here. But Deshaun Watson is now – been with the team longer, been in that system longer, has studied things longer than the last time the Bengals saw him. He's been in better game shape, et cetera, et cetera. And now he's probably looking more like the guy that we saw in Houston as opposed to the guy that we saw last time in this matchup. Are you expecting, because of the past success, a, a heavy dose of Nick Chubb once again? Or are you expecting a more balanced and aerial attack now that they feel maybe a little bit more confident? And Deshaun Watson in him feels a little more confident in himself with more time passing and, and being immersed in the system. Well, Watson is just such a wild card here because we have no idea how he's going to look. You, you've heard conflicting reports about him uh, struggling mightily in training camp and also reports about him getting better. I think there has been an evolution in the Browns offense where they're trying to structure it more around what he did in Houston. And that is putting him more in the gun and kind of letting him go to work, that obviously kind of goes against a lot of what the Browns' offense has been under Kevin Stefanski. It's been a lot of under center. It's been a lot of play-action bootlegs. It's been a lot of wide zone. Bill Callahan is still running the offensive yeah. line there. The offensive line is still built for those concepts. So you're looking at a situation where, you know, just talking that out actually just in the past minute makes me think about the Bengals' offense last year when the passing game was just all in shotgun and they're trying to run the ball under center. Um, the Bengals obviously have tape and experience of how to defend that because they did it in practice uh, towards the beginning of last year. If that's what the Browns offense looks like, it, it's going to be a fascinating experiment to watch. And again, I think the Bengals will be able to uh, kind of diagnose it uh, before the plays actually happen. 
I don't know how they're going to marry those two. I, I don't know if they're going to just slowly integrate that those shotgun concepts as the year goes on, and they're going to have Watson under center. But um, I, I, I don't. I don't know. Obviously, the Watson that played last year was not good enough, and it led to that loss that Cleveland had against Snaddy when they couldn't get anything going through the air, and they were honestly a little bit too predictable. And uh, you know, DJ Reader had a great game against the Browns interior. So yeah, as long as DJ Reader's out there, they have a fighting chance to snuff uh, Nick, uh, almost called Dick Chubb, Nick Chubb in the back in the backfield <laughs> there. Um, yeah, it, it's it's still a really good unit though, and it's still you know a unit that the Bengals have to respect. I'm just really curious about how they're going to marry both phases of the offense now. They're really trying to maximize what Watson can do if he can still do it after three years from his last good season. So who are, who like I guess if you want to do one on each side of the ball, who are some key players for the Bengals in this because of who they are going up against and or what the Browns may try to do um on each side of the ball. Who's who are two guys you're looking at? Yeah, I mean DJ Reader starts it off, right? He's just he's he, he is the answer in the middle to, to plug that run game. Um, I I think on the, on defense as well, I think should be a having a revenge game, a very heartwarming uh, comeback to that stadium where he tore his ACL 10 months ago. Uh, how he plays against Amari Cooper is going to impact a lot of things as well. And I'm going to go for on offense. You, you have Denzel Ward, who is kind of coming back from a concussion. He's, I think, in like... Uh, the fourth stage of the protocol right now, which is like doing limited practice work. He needs to advance a little bit more in, in order to get fully cleared for Sunday. But if if he is out there, he's obviously had great moments against the Bengals in the past, but he didn't completely shut down Jamar Chase last year. You know, Jamar Chase got the better of him in that game that he actually did play. He, if you guys remember that dime that Burrow threw to him in the end zone. Yeah, passed between, on. yeah. It was like, yeah, it's like Denzel Ward didn't even see it happen. I think he's, I think he's been thinking about that. I think he's he's been thinking about that game, and I, I'm I'm curious to see if we're gonna have a similar Week One Jamar Chase performance as we did last year when he had like ten receptions for 140 yards against the Steelers and like 100 snaps. Right? How involved is Jamar Chase going to be here with, with in Burrow's first game back? Is it going to be that same? Like you got to feed him. You, you got to just live in this matchup. Live in him trying to own the moment against you know a quarterback that's. That's gotten the better of him over times in his career. I want to see them go back and forth, presuming that uh, Denzel Ward is healthy again. Good picks. I'm going to go a little bit in line with Kevin Reynolds here from our uh, from our Facebook, and he does write three things that are bugging him about the the matchup between the Bengals and the Browns. You know, talking about the Browns secondary against the Bengals receivers, the Bengals safety play. Um, you know, obviously the safety play is something that I, I'm looking at as well. I think Nick Scott is an important player in this. Uh, in this specific game, you know, just just kind of having some of that experience with, you know, the inexperience that is in in that safety group. So yeah, he's an important player. But I'm looking on the defensive side of the ball. You may you named kind of two Cheeto, uh, Cheeto and DJ Reader. I'm going to kind of go with the other corners a little bit. I'm going to go CTB and I'm going to go um, Mike Hilton because Elijah Moore is uh, you know he might be refreshed here and he might you know he, they might try and do some creative things with him. And Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's who's the other receiver atop the depth, the wide receiver depth chart, he has just been a Bengals killer, man. Um, he has made plays against the Bengals a lot, and whether it's Baker Mayfield or others. So, I mean, the, these are two guys that just need to kind of, yeah, I mean, obviously their number one receiver, Amari Cooper, is going to need to 
uh, he's going to need to be locked down. But I, I do I do wonder if uh, maybe a few more plays than we're accustomed to from a Wouzier are allowed. And and I would give him a pass for that first game back from this big injury. Um, I, I don't want to doubt him, but, I mean, he's going up a good a good receiver too. So I think also shutting down maybe those those supplemental weapons on defense, uh, the receiving weapons, that would make life a little – a little more miserable for Deshaun Watson and where he's maybe forcing some balls to, to Cooper late in the game if things are shut down elsewhere. And then um, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to wonder what's going to go on with Irv Smith. I'm, I'm really interested to see how they get him involved early in this game, because like you said, and like Kevin said here, I mean, there, there's some good corners. There's some good secondary players in this, in the, on this Browns team. So uh, Irv Smith, to me, seeing how they ingrain him early, seeing if he can kind of be, you know, get, if if the pressure is coming, if things aren't really open right away with Chase, you know, slower developing routes, whatever the case may be, if he can kind of be a little, uh, just a, a rhythm, you know, an outlet to to, to get some rhythm going early, um, and and I, it would be nice. Of course, you want to get the big three involved at wide receiver, but it would be nice to see. Irv Smith have an impact early in his Bengals career and, and early in this game to kind of get things moving. So those are a couple guys I'm, I'm looking at from both sides of the ball. Um, your prediction for this one, John, I know this is your favorite thing we do about, about uh, talking about this and we're going to talk more Browns with the preview we have with Thomas Moore tomorrow, but your prediction in this game as we sit here Wednesday with all of the things that we've seen, heard, read, watched this spring and summer. A lot of the Brown success, I think, in the past have been just it's been tremendous schemes from Kevin Stefanski and a lot of big plays just made in structure. Right. Can Deshaun Watson do that? Can, can he continue that? Because if, if he goes out of structure and if he's the old Deshaun Watson, it's going to be a problem. Another thing to watch as well. You have Jonah Williams at right tackle for the first time. How often they have are they going to have Miles Garrett against against him off off the left edge? That changes things. It, it you're going to see you're going to see Jonah Williams probably lose some some reps here, and they're not going to lead to sacks because that's ultimately the difference between playing left tackle and right tackle when you have a right handed quarterback like that. That's the dynamic there, and that's another matchup that can greatly dictate the game. Are they are they going to keep Miles Garrett up against my, uh, Orlando Brown? I don't think so. I think they're going to move him around like they always do. There's going to be so many things that go back and forth in this game. It's just hard to imagine it's going to be by any deficit more than three points. But I look back 12 years ago, the last time the Bengals played the Browns in week one was 2011. It was Andy Dalton's <laughs> debut with AJ Green. Andy Dalton yep. did not finish that game. It was Bruce Gregowski throwing a game when he touched down to AJ Green. I don't think it's going to happen exactly like that. But I think there's some demons here to fight off for the Bengals and I think it's going to be really close and I think the Bengals pulled this one out 21 to 20 21 to 20 it, important important asterisk here for you John is this is this the same kind of predictions that you were making last year where 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 you pick Bengals losses and it was actually a little bit of reverse psychology I don't know what you're talking about okay okay all right we'll we'll, we'll let that slide um I, I believe in that game, too, in 2011. I think that A.J. Green touchdown catch was his only catch in the game, right? I think it was he had like Could one catch for 40-some yards and a, and a touchdown. I'll have to look that up. I seem to remember he was having problems with Joe Hayden that game. Um, regardless, uh, I'm in agreement with you. I think this is not going to be 
I think it's going to be fun in the in the sense that it'll be close and competitive. I don't think it's going to be the prettiest game to watch because it's week one, because, you know, uh, the, the stuff with the quarterbacks, you know, I mean, Deshaun kind of playing catch up over this past year and a half and uh, Burrow, you know, having the, the, the type of summer and spring that he had, despite looking better than he did maybe going into week one last year. Uh, I, I'm with you, though. I think it's going to be probably, you know, a, a three or four point game. I do think the Bengals pull it out, maybe with a late or last second field goal from McPherson. Um, I'm, I'm going to say something gross, like 22-19 or, uh, you know, maybe maybe a 23-20 to make it a little more palatable to the eyeballs. But I think it's going to be something pretty, pretty ugly, unfortunately. But, hey, a win's a win, and hopefully the Bengals get there and not have the wackiness that happened in week one last year with the multitude of turnovers um, and <laughs> a heartbreaking way to lose to open the year to one of your biggest division rivals. So that being said, that's our picks. We're going to be back for more tomorrow with Thomas Moore of SB Nation's Dogs by Nature. Um uh, website there so we'll we'll have an, another little mini show there and we'll do some more stuff friday with some headlines and running through some stuff and a lot of other uh a lot of other stuff through the weekend including a post game show and everything else let's drop the mic and get on out of here john what do you got for us on our way out of the show i'm just excited for a coin flip game in like not 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 to have a pun for how last season ended but this <laughs> this is this is classic week one, right? You have two divisional teams who are pretty evenly matched. They have a lot of things going against each other. I'm, I'm just excited for it. Let's bring it on. I'm excited for it too. And, you know, again, I think as we've talked about, you know, I was on a show and by the way, we're going to try and get them on maybe next week. Uh, the guys from 410 sports who always bring a lot of entertainment and, and hot takes with the, with the Baltimore Ravens. We're going to maybe try and get them uh, on one of our shows next week. But um uh, you know, I, I I think this game will showcase, we've talked about the competitiveness of the AFC North, and I think this game will showcase that. I think you'll see, and, and maybe for some who are kind of, I don't know, maybe not as high on the Browns as some of the others, I think, I think you know, they will show that they are, you know, a, a good team, a quality team. I think hopefully the Bengals prevail and show that they are the better team. But um, like you said, you know, let's bring it. It's real football. It's AFC North to start the season times two the first two weeks. So, a lot of stuff to like there. But that being said, thanks to Mark Bergen of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Thank you, John Sheeran, for all of your insights and everything that you bring to this show. And if you're new here, you can get this show on a myriad of different platforms. Uh, YouTube is is where we stream, one of the places we stream live video-wise. And you can get that on uh, – you can subscribe underneath John there. You can subscribe – I think I've got a plane flying behind me here. That's, that's the, the beauty of a – yeah. Uh, that's the beauty of the the open garage door behind me here. But that being said, you can get this show on YouTube. The show icon is underneath John and by that Cincy Jungle logo. Go click that to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when new content is available and when we go live, all that good stuff. And then, of course, you can get the audio side of things, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. Go check us out. Leave us a review. Really cool show by Bengal Jim that is on the uh, audio side and on his YouTube channel. But uh, really cool show last night that he had. He had Elizabeth Blackburn. T. Higgins's mama was on the show as well, Mama T. So uh, cool show there. And we'll continue to bring you all kinds of stuff on this show and the other shows on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. Enjoy. We've got Thursday night football tomorrow night to kick off uh, kick off the season. And uh, we'll... 
we're, we're getting it rolling. We're getting it rolling. Have a good night, John. You as well. 